Hello, and welcome to Swings and Roundabouts. I'm Priyanka. And I'm Avni. And we are back. Back to business. I feel like we always say we are back because, you know, it's always <laughs> been a few months. I know. Um, <laughs> but we are back. Um, and today we will be discussing the term fake it till you make it and what it means, how we perceive it, and just generally how we feel about the term. Now, me and Avni have spoken about this before, and I personally hate the term. I really don't like it. I just feel like someone is basically telling me I'm not good enough and I was never good enough. Mm. Um, so I always get quite offended by it. Um, but Avni, you seem to feel differently. <laughs> I do. Because I embrace the term fake it to make it. I think we're all products of this term in some way or another. And my view is instead of rejecting it, let's own it. Because why not? I don't know why, but I feel so offended about the term. But I, th when I think about it, I always assume, I think about it as if someone's talking about me. So, oh, Pranka, you know, she does this, but actually she faked it till she made it, you know, in her early 20s. I would feel so offended because it's almost like, hang on, you're telling other people I was never qualified and I don't deserve my position right now. So like minimizing your effort and your hard work. Yeah, like sure, you know, I've definitely, you know, I've there's an I've worked hard, but yeah, isn't there an element of everyone trying to say they had a bit of an extra experience or did something extra? But how dare you say I faked it? <laughs> <laughs> I guess language really matters and we're all going to have emotional triggers to certain words. And it sounds like for you, faking it is really emotionally triggering because it's telling you that you're not good enough somehow or that you're a fraud. And right. Am I, am I getting that or? Yeah. But now I feel like this is the point where Avni just is like, you're wrong and you're offended and you take everything so seriously. I think you're totally allowed to feel that way because the statement, this, this saying is very general and we see people using it in broad settings. Right. And we don't often hear it in a positive light. Yeah. That's we true. don't often hear it as, yeah, she made it. And as hard as it was, and as whatever she had to do to put her foot forward and to get those opportunities, she did so good. And I'm, you know, we don't ever praise people for, let's say, faking it to make it or whatever you would say, like, you know, exaggerating on a resume or overselling yourself in an interview or a first day, whatever that may be. It's kind of, we don't look at those, um, those behaviors as, as a need to be praised about. Yeah. And I think what you said, Avni, about language matters, there's such a difference in saying, oh, you know, Pranka faked it at the beginning, but you know, she's doing well now versus, you know, at some point in her career, Pranka took those opportunities, you know, that she wasn't necessarily experiencing, but she had the potential. So she took it. I feel like if everyone just like really spoke nicely and fluffed up that beginning bit, <laughs> it would be nice. And, you know, like you said, maybe it is about how you interpret it individually but what are your views on the term like I said before I adhere to it I I think that I'm a product of it I think that whether or not yeah I, I'm, I mean I know I'm not a fraud um in the instances that I've maybe like 
overextended my resume a little bit. So let's give it an example. So when I was in university applying for jobs, it was, I was living in Ottawa and they always ask for languages because everyone speaks French. There are most people are bilingual that they put a second language of French and my French was never as good. And I would put Hindi and Punjabi as my languages of my, like, you know, I'm bilingual too, but I would, I would highlight those languages. And I mean, that's a little bit false in some ways because... Just a little bit, because I'm <laughs> not quadruple-lingual. <laughs> I'm not trilingual. I can get by. I can understand it. I can speak to my grandmother in a broken English, Hindi, Punjabi as much as I can. <laughs> but I doubt I could work in it. So that would always be on my resumes. And Pranka will tell you that there was, you know until she got found out. Well, until I got a job where they really wanted my Hindi and that was an asset. So when we decided we we're going to talk about Fake It To Make It, this is one of the first examples that came to my mind because it's such a funny memory and it's such a precious memory that everyone deserves to hear it. Are you going to tell it? No, you tell it. Okay. <laughs> Fine. Um, so Avni got this job um, at a... Where was it, Avni? At a uh, a woman's shelter. Okay. A woman's shelter. And um, her role required her to speak to um, females in Hindi and Punjabi. So, you know, Avni's not wrong, okay? She can understand both languages fluently. She can speak to Ananima you know, pretty decently, <laughs> enough for her to understand. But whether or not Avni can work in it day in, day out, you know, a bit questionable. Anyway, so she got the job and as your family does, they really supported you and, you know, were really happy for your experience. Well, I think it was my interview where they were like, we we see that you speak Hindi and that's going to be a really big asset here because we have a we have a big South Asian population and we don't have a clinician to be able to who is bilingual in Hindi and English and I think in that interview I was like oh wow yes so this part of my resume is finally going to come to fruition and I was confidently, okay, I can do this. And nobody else was South Asian on that team. So they took my word for it. <laughs> and I went home and yes, as full as everyone supported me, I told them that this job requires me to speak Hindi and English. And Chew they laughter. Were all- <laughs> 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 they were all laughing. <laughs> um, but I got through it. I got through it right yeah you did and you know what to be fair you did a good you were good at your job but guys the funniest bit of the whole story is not that Avni got the job it's that on her first day she had to um, record her voicemail in Hindi to introduce herself and just you know say she's unable to answer the phone call and please leave a message with your details Guys, it was a struggle. She had to call my mom at work who had to, I don't know, did she like write the Hindi English for you? I think that's what she did, didn't she? She like wrote the the Hindi, but in English. And then Avni recited that on her voicemail. <laughs> and it oh was, my gosh. It was a struggle. It was a struggle when you're looking for specific words. I mean, conversationally, throw in a bit of English, throw in a bit of Hindi, throw in a bit of Punjabi, people can understand you. Yeah. 
at the end of the day, my clients had no problem with that. They yeah. knew that I could speak and understand them. And um, I mean, I, I had a bit of a social worker position there and got what they needed to be done, their housing applications, everything. I was a big asset. <laughs> yeah. So you know what? Even that example, though, I mean, I think you weren't unable to do that job, you know, you could do it. And like you said, the basic conversation that you had to have with those ladies, you could have, but when it comes to, you know, voicemails, as much as we joke, that's a very, you know, formal scripted wording that you need. So yeah, maybe that doesn't come off as naturally, but it was I just- I mean, funny. also I have a base understanding of the language, let's be honest. Yeah. And what I did to kind of, I mean, I think that I was a bit on a learning curve, right? It's about how do you reconnect with the language and get more practice? Because the only thing that I, I don't have is a practice. So what I was committed to doing was calling our Nanima yeah. uh, more frequently to be able to have more conversations so my vocabulary could get better. So I felt more confident in it. And you know what? It worked with the amount of times I was, I was connecting with Nanima, having conversations and going to work. All of it was really beneficial and nobody knew none the wiser <laughs> that's true i mean nanny even now says you're a trier you know you do <laughs> you do give it a good try when you talk to her <laughs> and so maybe we should be relooking this term fake it till you make it and really thinking about it as more that we're all on a learning curve and yes i'm not applying for a league you know like a a paralegal position or an engineering position, really telling somebody that I can do that with zero qualifications. I think we have to understand that there is some boundaries and limits in what this term can allow for. But when there is a bit of a learning curve and you know that you can work towards getting there or you know, they're asking about your Excel experience and you have a base Excel and they're like, we need somebody with a strong Excel. You can, you can learn that stuff. And if you're willing and dedicated to, to go onto that learning curve and, you know, take what you need to do to, to get there. For sure. I mean, that's got to give you some credit. That's got to say something. And it's so true though, because like when you just said a learning curve, if you don't, if you don't try or if you don't say yes to something that maybe you've never done before, how are you ever going to get those opportunities in life? Right. How are you going to ever progress? And I, I actually think back to our first jobs. How could we have ever gotten those jobs coming right out of university without overselling something, overselling an experience? We we're literally putting ourselves in a situation where we have zero work experience or barely any work experience. You're applying for your first job. There is something to be said about this term. Um, that really helps. If you can go in there with the confidence to know that you can work in this position, you can learn this and highlight what you've done in the past. Yeah. So be it. You you put a little bit of fake it till you make it into it. Yeah. Versus those who don't know how to do it or don't feel comfortable doing that, will take get them a little bit you know longer to put their foot into that door. For sure, for and sure. No disrespect to those of you who have. No disrespect. Exactly. My opinion is is that I know that I'm a product of it. I will continue to advocate for it. I I, I know that it's helped me and I know that it will continue to help me get opportunities. And I know that you feel differently about it and you will navigate well i mean it's not that i it's not that i now having this conversation i think at the beginning i was like nope i don't like the term i don't want to be associated to the term i'm offended if someone you know 
associates me to that term. (laughs) (laughs) But I think language for personally, I think maybe it's the language bit for me. You know, if someone said learning curve, that's a bit more like, you know, softer on me. (laughs) Um, But, you know, I do think back to the interviews that I took early on in my career, you know, the first few jobs that I did and the different industries that I was working in. And if I'm working at a non-for-profit or, you know, in the corporate world, I need to kind of highlight just that, you know, I need to make it out like I've got way more experience than I do in Mm -hmm. this type of sector or in this type of role, even though, yeah, I've done it before, I can do it. But you're right, right. if I was to tell them the absolute truth about how many years I was actually working, what I was doing, my slowly, my intern role was just a role. It was not the intern. (laughs) It was that company is big. And, you know, I was in this. And, you know, you leave out certain details because I don't think it would benefit me. And at that point, so you sort of adjust your own language Mm -hmm. (laughs) to suit you. And like you said, there are obviously within reason you can do it and you you can't. What I'm hearing you saying right now is that you, you adjust the way you are interviewed to make the interviewees or the employers more confident in who they have. Absolutely. It's almost like. Part of you faking to making is faking the confidence, faking, not faking. I'm sorry. I mean, for you, uh, (laughs) over-exaggerating. Now she's being super careful. (laughs) Right? Um, Maybe exaggerating your experience a little bit so that your employees or the interviewees, interviewers, are being able to see you, uh, being able to have more confidence in you. For sure. Am am I getting that wrong? No, 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 that's correct. It's more like, okay, who do they want to see in front of them? And how can I fit that mold? So yeah, I'm going to have to like big up certain experiences and leave certain experiences out and make everything just a bit more bigger than it is. But I feel like I truly needed to do that to get me where I am now, but completely within reason, you know, sure. There are a few things that I didn't do that I said I did do, but that didn't hurt me. I mean, when you say it like that, it sounds really sad that we cannot be authentic. We cannot be ourselves in these work worlds and that we're almost forced to be or almost forced to meet the expectations or the ideas or the ideals that we're assuming the other person wants us to be. But to to some degree, skill wise... That that's life though, isn't it? Like going for job interviews, you do have to fit a certain skill set, you know, personality and values, like, you know, that's a whole different thing. And I don't think you need to fake, you know, who you are morally and your values. But no skills wise, I mean, I don't know. For me, I kind of think, oh, if they're looking for that type of person, I don't know if I could really sell them otherwise. You know, I don't think but I could if say your look- value is honesty. Oh no, <laughs> girl, this is going away. Please don't question me as a person. I'm just saying, this is so funny because like my whole career is built up on being able to um, allow my patients to be more authentic people and to present themselves more authentically. So now this is just turned on me and like, I've just done it all wrong my whole life or whatever. No, but I'm also recognizing that... This 
has applied to me. This serves me as well. And I still think that I've been able to be authentic. I still think that I'm still an authentic individual, but I also know where I might need to exaggerate or oversell. Or I was listening to this masterclass recently, and I forget the name of the guy, but he's... uh, he he does a masterclass on persuasion and sales and he says that we're all we're all selling in some capacity and we're all persuading we're all in this realm whether you're a sales associate or you're a therapist or you're a um communications pr rep there is all sales in every kind of job mm. and I guess that's what we're really talking about here. It's like this art of persuasion. It's how do we stay authentic and also recognize that there are sometimes um, situations and circumstances where we might need to, we might need to what? We might need to what? (laughs) You tell me. Can you help me understand that? We might need to overextend ourselves or maybe we might make make exceptions. Sorry. There are some situations that we might need need to make exceptions for. Yeah. I still think we can be an authentic person and make exceptions in situations, whether it's a resume or an interview or a first date, um, as long yeah. as we also have a strong sense of self. I don't know. I maybe no, I get what you're saying. And I will definitely say that my experience have ha- my experiences have changed as I've gotten older. So I think where you're trying to fit that mold, you know, for that job that you really want to get, um, that was more, that took more priority in my early twenties. Whereas now it's like, no, you know, like I've got certain values and morals and, you know, abilities and you, you're more, you're more confident in yourself and your abilities to be like, I can do it. And you're just going to have to take my word for it. Right. But it started off with having to put yourself in those situations where you had to oversell or exactly um, highlight. Exaggerate. And now when you know what it's like to be on the other end interviewing people that are early on in their career and seeing that actually it's not even a big deal. You know, we're all human. And at the end of the day, when you yes. go into an interview, the person interviewing you is just like you. You know, do you think they have it all figured out? No. So I think it's also just managing, just realizing that we are all equal to some degree. Yeah. As you're saying that, I remember a job that I had applied to and I got, and I remember in that job position, it was really highlighting my experiences and what I can do. And then I remember after I got the job and spoke to my manager and we were going to interview other people for the position maybe six months to a year down the line. She said something really important. She's like, a lot of this work, there's a learning curve on this job. And a lot of this work will be learned on this job. And so when I'm interviewing people, I'm not only interviewing for what they, the skills they're bringing forward and they're bringing into this job, but I also have to see the learning curve that they're going to have. Can I see the potential in them to be able to move through this environment, learn in our capacity? Do they have that those skill sets, or am I able to see that in the interview that they're willing to adapt, they're willing to learn, they're willing to give themselves the time, they're willing to to deal with tough situations at time with little or some support or whatever that might be. And so I remember her really saying that, that really stuck with me, that she also recognized that a lot of what I need for this job will be learnt on the job. 
That's so true. And I think that's the case in a lot of positions, right? You could come in with a stellar resume and yet your job and your position in your environment is going to be a lot different from all the other ones. So yes, you can check mark. They have all the skills set that they might need. And are they going to be able to adjust into the environment? Are they going to be able to, to shift the industry that they've been in and work for a different industry or, or you know, the culture that, we, that exists in this? You know, there's still always going to be a learning curve. And I think sometimes we have to look beyond the resume. We have to look beyond what the criteria is we are asking for and really looking at the person. And if they're confident enough to be able to, to show up in this interview, present themselves in the way that they have, then why should I doubt them? Yeah. Because I don't know any none the wiser, even with somebody with the perfect resume and everything that I've asked them for, I still don't know. There's always room for uncertainty. And really, interviewers are taking a risk and taking a chance. And just like we are, when we accept a job, we take a chance, we take a risk, and we don't know what that's going to look like. Exactly. And maybe, you know, hopefully that is the way forward, though, isn't it, for the hiring managers, for the companies to really stress that, you know, it's not just skills based, it's not just experience based. You know, if you've got the ambition, if you've got the drive, if you've got the interest, then, you know, that also is huge. And I wish that I wish when I had left university or even for internships, that people had stressed that to me. So it didn't always feel like, what do I have to say extra of? What do I not Mm. say? What do I just need to say, you know, a small white lie? Because otherwise, if I say I don't have that experience, I'll Mm -hmm. never get, I'll never get the job, I'll never get the internship. I just wish there was that reassurance that, hey, it's more than just your experience. But how often do you tell yourself that when someone talks about fake it till you make it or we're having to you know and you go into that spiral of well I'm not a fraud and (laughs) you know how often do you tell yourself all those things yeah it's true you know and I feel like actually after this conversation my view on the term is actually not so negative now and you know I think I'll be more inclined to break it down if someone said it no, not that people say it all the time, but you know, if you just say, ah, you had to fake it to make it at the beginning, didn't you? I wouldn't be so offended. I'm like, no, I didn't. I'll be mm-hmm. like, okay, cool. Let's break it down. But yeah, you know, let's talk about all these ways that we've had to, you know, hit a learning curve or take on that opportunity to get us where we are today. For sure. So we spoke a lot. So we're talking a lot of me about careers, right? Professional development and how, you know, you progress in your career. It's very interesting what you had mentioned about the industry that you're in and how that term can slightly be interpreted to work for you as well. So share that because I found it really interesting and I've never ever heard it used in that context. So another way that we can look at this term fake it till you make it, I know we've talked a lot about um, resume boosting and over-exaggeration and selling ourselves and the art of persuasion in kind of fake it till you make it. And, and you know, to some extent, we accredit a lot of those action, those choices that we've made are kind of where we are today. We've been able to succeed. We've been able to push past. We've been able to get those opportunities that we have because maybe we have over-exaggerated things or had to sell ourselves in other ways. So another way to look at fake it till you make it, more specifically in the work that I do as a therapist, is we have a skill called opposite action, which is a part of a DBT skill, which is dialectical behavioral therapy. And um, DBT is founded in mindfulness and emotional regulation and 
where we use opposite action, where I use opposite action can be really, really helpful. Let's say if you've experienced bouts of depression and all you want to do is sit on the couch, watch a ton of movies, eat your favorite food and isolate yourself or not get out of bed. If you can imagine, you know, experiencing bouts of depression or know somebody who has, and that is what their body is telling them. And when I work with patients with with depression, we we talk a bit about opposite action. We talk a bit about as much as your body, your mind is telling you all these things, and that's where you want to be. Sometimes practicing opposite action can be helpful, even if that's getting out of bed to brush your teeth or shower. Even if that's going downstairs to eat or eating something, even though your body's saying no, right? Mm-hmm. Even if you can't, you do not want to leave your house, going on your balcony or your backyard and sitting in the sun for five minutes, right? Don't even go for a walk around the block, getting outside to your front door and back. Like even taking these small steps, which we call opposite action, can be so productive and so helpful in shifting a patient's mindset out a little bit outside or shifting their symptoms so they can alleviate the depressive symptoms. Interesting. So you, you know, there's a degree for them. They have to really fake these actions if they really don't want to do it, but they know that, you know, for them to feel better and, you know, see progress in them, they're going to have to just do it. And sometimes that means faking it till you make it. That sometimes that really means a person telling themselves, I don't want to freaking get up. I don't want to shower. I don't want to go out. So I won't do anything that Avni has told me to do. And I'm going to do it. Let me give it a try. Let me just do it. If I don't feel better, if I go out, I can come right back to bed. Yeah. Let me just do it because I've committed to to getting in the shower once a day and coming back. Yeah. Right. And it's interesting because this is also really resonates with individuals who struggle with anger and anger management, right? Mm. When anger gets so big, it gets so explosive, we might want to punch a wall. We might want to start a fight. One of the biggest things about anger management is not only acknowledging the anger, understanding the anger, whatever, you know, all of all of that, but also acknowledging if I hit the wall, what are the consequences of that? Yeah. If I start a fight and I punch somebody, okay, I could get arrested for assault. And so it's also about recognizing, okay, so what are the consequences that kind of come afterwards? So as much as in that moment when the anger is building and I just want to punch that person in that bar, whatever that is, it's about practicing that opposite action, faking it till you make it almost. Okay. I'm not going to punch. I'm going to walk away. I'm still elevated and angry and you know whatever that might be and even just walking away getting some fresh air can immediately reduce the temperature in your body and bring you from a place of hot fiery impulse you know lack of impulse control down a level where you can think a little bit rationally so even that split second can make a difference and that may require a bit of faking it till you make it right as much as you want to hit him you're gonna have to even pause and take a moment and walk away that's so interesting how the term has just been interpreted in your field and how you also use that approach um but what i'm but what i'm I'm giving very vague descriptions but the opposite action i think has some weight into a little bit of what we're talking about for sure so it seems like all the examples that we we've given um in this episode actually there is some type of benefit to faking it a little bit for you to progress yourself 
obviously within reason, you know, we're not saying go for that engineering job if you are not a qualified engineer. <laughs> yeah, um, and not to, um, you know, also practice, you know, the extreme of end of positivity if you're really upset and sad and, you know, the opposite end of that would be, you know, toxic positivity or just everything's okay and I'm great and this is going to be great and, and minimizing all your experiences. I think within reason, we have to be careful of those and... Yeah. There's a lot of research that does show, you know, even using humor, watching a comedy film or a lighthearted film when you are feeling down can really help alleviate um, the mood that you might be in. For sure. And for anyone who, you know, we touched upon a lot of like early years of our career, I think anyone that is listening and feels like they it's a constant battle of, you know, faking it in their interviews you know, I don't know, I stand by actually, it is way more than the experience that you come with, you know, you need to be driven, you need to be ambitious and have interest more than anything. Yeah. And I just wish that I probably knew that 10 years ago. And you know it now. Yeah. And how can it serve you now knowing that there have been some situations that, you know, it's it's helped some situations where you've kind of been a little bit more reserved in wanting to showcase and seeing in your own experience what's worked and what hasn't. For sure. I still think you can be your authentic self and practice authenticity and also have the best intentions when you want to advocate for yourself. Well, I would say there is some merit in those people who are able to do this. That's true. It takes a lot of courage as well. It takes courage, it takes confidence, and it takes grit, right? Your determination to persevere in the long run. Like you really want something and you're going to chase after it that determination for sure and that goes across goal. yeah for any yeah. age right that will just carry you through your life yeah and that is grit right like you see the long-term goal and you're willing to work to get to what that is and whether it's a learning curve at work or practicing dating and going on as many first as you can to learn the art of that and how to interact and how to try to you know present the best version of yourself as well right because that can be a practice and an art and then find the happy medium of okay that was way too much I gotta be somewhere here this feels more in line and more authentic and it's it's about that. And I think we're, I think we all have good intentions when we want to do it. We never know what the consequences are, or the impact that's going to have. And we kind of figure that out as we go along. But if you can connect with that good intention. I think dating is a huge one, actually, when you just said that, you know, yeah, practicing going on those dates. And if you are a really shy person, then to some degree, you're going to have to fake that confidence just to have a conversation. Oh my gosh. Pranka, dating after the first time after a divorce, yeah, after you've lost a spouse, right? These are difficult, difficult transitions. Yeah. And I know that I work with um, a few women who are in those situations and it is hard. And to some degree, there is some times where you really have to pull from those inner strengths and, you know, you're really... You're, you're really drawing on a confidence that you might not have and you're practicing it. You might not have in the moment, but you can draw on it from a past situation and you're going in and trying and practicing. And I think that effort and that is something to be awarded that you are still doing it even though it is so hard. Yeah. Definitely. You see the long-term goal. You know that this is something that you want to do eventually and you got to start somewhere. And maybe that is faking it until you make it. 
and even to those people that, you know, lack a bit of confidence more generally, you know, they're really shy and they're going on dates and they know it's good for them, but they just need to get over those hurdles. Yes. And that's a constant practice, isn't it? And I'm not sure if this relates, but there's a lot of research around posture and um, and confidence or posture. And like you're like literally there are people out there who train your posture. So uh, which will directly influence your moods, your thinking styles, your self-esteem. And um, it really has direct correlations. So sometimes even if we don't even know it, where we are depressed, we are not feeling or we're going through a lull even taking some of these courses can really help shift that by even just changing something else in a posture or the way you stand or the way you walk that's so interesting how everything is connected the I little know. mind body connection you know <laughs> love it love it love it okay I think this has been a really interesting conversation and I feel like my whole views I I don't hate the term that much after all <laughs> So to Thank anyone you. listening, we're curious to know, are you, have you faked it till you made it? Do you agree Do you, with what we're saying? Do you disagree? Cause you can. <laughs> yeah, for sure. Would you ever admit it? Um, or are you learning some things from this episode in the same way that I am? Cause I think my, I think my views coming into the conversation are a lot more different as I go out. I still would be kind of offended if you said I faked it till I made it, but it's <laughs> fine. I'll get over I think it. Even just having the conversation <laughs> alleviates the weight of of the or alleviates the assumptions around faking it till you make it. Because I think sometimes yeah. when you what I noticed at the beginning of this conversation is going in with that term, um, the language can sound very aggressive, mm. and even just being able to have a space where you can talk through well what that really means for you versus me we can have a bit of an understanding, okay, there is no, not necessarily an assumption behind that, that you're a fraud or that you're not deserving. It's not saying that that's an assumption. That's an assumption that we, maybe we've created the narrative that we've told us. Yeah. And that may not be true for somebody else who's chatting about this, which like I am, and I have a different view of it. I like it. Well, thank you to everyone who has been listening and we hope you found the conversation interesting, insightful, and please do share your thoughts with us and what you think of it. Thanks for listening and we'll catch you on the next episode. Bye for now. Bye.